Radio Solutions. Our mission is to magnify the voice of the patient and physician. We want to take medicine back to its original purpose. Join host Dr. Nikki Johnson for Free to Care, the podcast. For conversations on lowering prices, making prices transparent, personalizing medical care, taking bureaucrats out of the system to bring you more choices for your healthcare dollar. We know that healthcare is personal, not partisan. Join us live Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern for Free to Care, the podcast. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, this is your host, Dr. Nikki Johnson with Free to Care, the podcast on this Friday, August 20th, 2021, reminding you that healthcare is personal. It is not partisan. Uh, we are going to be talking with Mr. Christopher Chiron, the founder of uh, Action for Health. We're going to be talking about surprise medical bill- billing. We'll let you know what that means um, very soon. We'll talk about the No Surprises Act and an explosive report that was re- um, written and released about a little over a week ago um, on how a major insurance company um, decided to tamper with some evidence about surprise medical bill uh, medical billing. But before before we get into things, I wanted to um, t- switch gears just just briefly and talk about um, the coronavirus virus and the pandemic right now. Um, what What is missing right now in our media um, and um, our public health are voices that are talking to us um, about really just the data, the facts, um, and equipping you with information um, that can help you to make decisions that are best for you and your family. And this is really making it very difficult for those of us who are trying to care for patients, those of us who have uh, families and young children who really don't know all of the data about everything that's going on. Um, At the same time, we're hearing people tell us that they want to mandate vaccinations or mandate um, that you show them that you've been vaccinated or mandate masks um, for children and, and adults. I'm not gonna get into my personal feelings about this, but um, I really just wanna send out a plea uh, for the people who we call our leaders, uh, both elected and non-elected, to give us the information that we need to make sure that we're safe and making healthy choices for ourselves and for our families and our communities. Um, I want to send a special plea out to um, Black people, because you are my people, um, <laughs> uh, culturally, whether you know we're related or not. Um, we have high numbers of people who are not vaccinated, and I understand a lot of the reasoning behind that, um, but I just want to encourage you to speak with your doctor, someone you trust, um, because this uh, virus is real. It is, um, it is deadly. And um, if you have certain risk factors, you are more prone to getting seriously ill and dying from it. And I don't want you to die. I don't want your families to lose you. Um, people who love you and need you and depend on you. 
um, either. I don't want them um, to lose a loved one. So please take this seriously. Protect yourselves and um, protect the people, help protect the people around you that you love and who love you. So with that, I am going to switch back gears to the topic this evening and introduce Mr. Christopher Sheeran. Welcome to the show, Chris. <laughs> Thank you for joining me tonight. Good evening, Nikki. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh you're welcome. It's my pleasure. You know, the, the real reason for me hosting this podcast is so that I can get to introduce all of the great um, leaders of the organizations that make up our 8 million people strong um, coalition called Free to Care. And you lead Action for Health, which has um, been, you know, a a brilliant foundation um, that is leading the way to help people um, advocate for themselves, um, but also uh, doing the work yourself um, to help uh, prevent people from getting caught with surprise medical bills. So, why don't you, Chris, um, introduce? yourself, how you got into this um, field, how Action for Health started, and then talk a little bit about surprise medical billing to let people know what that means um, and uh, give, a, give us a couple of examples too of what people might um, experience if they actually get a surprise medical bill. Absolutely, happy to. And again, thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on uh, tonight. Now, throughout my career, Nikki, I have in different industry verticals that have worked in the, the healthcare sector, both from a strategy communications, uh, public relations standpoint, and also in a leadership consulting and executive recruiting vertical as well. So healthcare has always been near and dear to my heart. I come from a, a family of physicians uh, and nurses. Uh, so a lot of dinner time conversations when I was young also spurred my interest in, in the broader healthcare sector as well. Working on surprise medical bills specifically, going back to February of, of last year is when I founded Action for Health. We are a national nonprofit patient advocacy organization dedicated to working on critical health issues. So we educate policymakers, the media, and, and concerned citizens around the country on these issues. We've been keenly focused since last year on this issue of surprise medical bills. And given the nature of the billing practice, Nikki, we actually like to correct the record and say that these are actually surprise unpaid insurer bills. Yeah. Uh, the, the notion of surprise billing, Nikki, should surprise no one, actually. If a patient receives a service from a physician, that physician will bill for their services. Correct. It's the insurance company that fails to step in and pay the reimbursement, therefore sticking the patient with the bill. So from the start, we always like to clarify that in the record that these are unpaid insurance bills. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense because you're right. That is what it is. So, so for example, um, I go to the emergency department, say, mm -hmm. and I... Um, need a special procedure while I'm there. So a physician specialist comes down, takes care of me, does the procedure. Um, 
I'm fixed up. I go home. And a few weeks later, I get a, I get a bill, even though, even if I, even though I submitted my insurance, um, with the billing, with the receptionist, right. When I got in there, I get this bill and it's astronomical. How, how Mm -hmm. did that happen? So a lot of these surprise bills actually happen in emergently admitted situations, whereas a patient comes in in an emergency and maybe even though you're at an in-network facility, the attending physician, whomever that may be, in a variety of specialties or a variety of providers, uh, for that matter. Uh, so in-network in network for people who don't get like, so if you have an insurance plan, mm-hmm. you have people who are on that places um, to go, like hospitals and doctor's offices mm-hmm. that you can go that are in your network. Um, and or doc or list of doctors, nurses, or, you know, nurse practitioners, physician assistants who are in the network on your insurance company. So that's what in network means. Okay, that's exactly right, Mickey. And you know, unfortunately, you have facilities around the country that even though they advertise as being in network with a certain health plan, they may have sold off a piece of that particular facility, uh, which may be out of your network. Uh, NICUs are an example of that. So. Emergently admitted most situations. And then patients, like you said, weeks, months later receive these surprise bills that are blatantly the result of their insurance provider not covering those services. Because when you mentioned the, the difference of in-network and out-of-network, Nikki, also, you know, most health plans have an out-of-network benefit and an in-network benefit. But the insurers are really to blame here. That's the bottom line. So basically they're saying, because this person who took care of me um, was not on our network that we cover, um, then we won't pay this bill um, and and you'll be charged at a rate that was uh, as if you went somewhere outside of your network. Is that kind of the gist of it? That's exactly they're just right. saying they're just saying we're not owed this because this person, you know, or this center or this place was not a part of the network that you agreed to when you signed up with this insurance. That's exactly right, Nikki. And okay. this is being this this practice is being first it's it's holding patients hostage. And secondly, this practice is being leveraged by insurance companies who we know are experiencing and generating record profits now. Okay. So, so what, so what happens um, if I don't pay this bill? What, what is, you know, the, the hospital is going to want their money or the emergency department, um, the doctor who did the procedure want, is going to want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens? Nick, it's a great question. You know, if you look even before this debate really reached a, a national crescendo, you know, legally, physicians can take patients to court. And once we get into the No Surprises Act, this piece of legislation that was passed in the end of last year in an omnibus bill here in Washington, and we can get into that later. Okay. Um, but if physicians can take patients to court for these unpaid bills, then we have to have this equal jurisprudence, this equal arbitration system with this law as well, 
which is built into the legislation and the statute, uh, as well as the forthcoming regulations. And we can touch on that uh, in a bit. Okay. So let's talk about um, the um, the Intercept. Um, A writer named Rose Adams published this Mm -hmm. story. Um, uh, She called it... uh, uh, United Healthcare guided Yale's groundbreaking surprise billing study. So, what was Yale's um, study, and then what did United Healthcare do? Um, United Healthcare for everybody is, is obviously it's a it's a huge insurance company, one of one one of one of the largest um, in the country, if not the largest, actually. That you know that's exactly right. They are not only the largest. Uh, health insurance company in the country. They're actually the fifth largest corporation in America. Wow. Wow. And, that I didn't know. It's profitable. So it, it certainly makes you guess if they are sticking patients with these surprise bills, which patients thought they would get paid. One has to think that they're obviously padding their own pockets because their profits, like I said earlier, have been at record levels, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. So going back to Ms. Adams's story, uh, this was a piece published last week uh, in the publication, The Intercept. She's a politics fellow at the publication. This goes all the way back to 2016, Nikki, when uh, Dr. Zach Cooper, a professor at Yale University, as well as some of his other colleagues, wrote this study on surprise medical bills. Unfortunately, and to the benefit of United Healthcare, which we now see was the main benefactor and beneficiary of the study. This study held enormous sway over the national debate over the past couple of years. And if it wasn't for a civil lawsuit that was actually argued by a physician group, we never would have seen these details come wow. to So I think, and this is a message I'll hit on in a bit as well, it's so important for patients around the country and also physicians to advocate forcefully on this issue. Yeah, I was, I was just going to make that point. This, this mm-hmm. was a great example of physicians coming together. And it's just a few of them. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it didn't take 10,000. Uh, no. um, it didn't take the, the AMA, you know, large, you know, organization exactly. that's supposed to represent physicians to come out. They exactly. spoke up <laughs> for themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's it's not difficult to do. We we got to get engaged. You're right. So all right. That's exactly right, Nikki. So go, going back to the study, Dr. Cooper and his colleagues at Yale used uh, two million data points from United Health for this seemingly unbiased study. But as we now know, th- these data points were cherry picked to make their case and to influence legislation that was moving through Washington, totally in their favor. And we know that what they wanted would have been terrible for patients around the country, independent medical practices, uh, and small hospitals, especially in inner city and rural communities. So now that this has come to light because of this lawsuit, I think you see a lot of patients, a lot of providers, a lot of facilities asking Congress why have you relied on this singular study to basically implement legislation that you passed last year? And there were many different iterations of federal legislation. Um, but uh, 
on December of last year, uh, on December 27th, actually, this is when the No Surprises Act was tucked into a 5,000-plus page omnibus bill as part of a wider end-of-the-year uh, bill. Right. And this is this No Surprises Act that was introduced in 2019, correct? That's and it exactly just kind of right. got stuck in stuck in this last bill, our uh, last omnibus before <laughs> President Trump <laughs> left that, the White House, right? That's exactly right, Nikki. Okay. And, and it so, was supported. It was supported by people on both sides of the aisle, correct? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly right. Just for a little bit of history uh, for your viewers and listeners, where we started two, three years ago, and, and folks have been working on this at the federal and state level for for many more years than that. And this was championed by Senator Alexander from Tennessee, who's no longer uh, yeah. up on Capitol Hill. But there was a, a rate setting approach where the solution would have been to peg these out of network, quote unquote, surprise bills to an in-network median rate, which, as we know, is basically this magic formula that's made up by health plans. So luckily... Thanks to a collective group all around the country of all shapes, sizes, stripes, colors, persuasions, uh, we were able, I think, to move the needle a lot to make sure that the final solution uh, that Congress enacted back in December in this No Surprises Act uh, was fair to patients, uh, facilities, providers, uh, as well as health plans. And we can get into how some of the provisions of the law that are being implemented now by federal regulators, you know, how that fair and equitable solution hopefully shakes out. Okay. So what is your, what's on your wish list for, uh, for the act? Like what are the good things that are in it and what are the things you want to tweak and make sure that it gets implemented uh, properly uh, mm -hmm. for people? And then um, what can people do sp uh, specifically to kind of help advocate for those pieces themselves? I know that's a lot, but. No, <laughs> fantastic questions, actually. So what do we like about this? As a patient advocacy organization, we are thrilled that patients are now what we call out of the middle. Patients are now held harmless once this law goes into effect January 1st of next year. In okay. And, and what does that mean? That means if they don't pay the bill, they won't have to... Um, the hospital can't go after them or can't put, the, can't put it on their credit record or is that... Yes, specific, um, okay. yeah, specifically, Nikki, what that means is that if the patient were to get a surprise out-of-network bill, okay. uh, they would only be held liable financially for their in-network cost-sharing agreement. Okay. As if they had gone or received care and treatment from an in-network provider. Okay, excellent. So that's a huge piece. So what about um, the end for the doctor? <laughs> So the doctor hmm. or the person who provided the care, mm -hmm. um, how do they do they get their full reimbursement somehow out of this? Or is there some sort of negotiation process that needs to happen? The key word you just mentioned, Nikki, mm -hmm. is negotiation. Yeah. The most important tenet of this entire law is what we call the independent dispute resolution process. Okay. I this is a process that kicks off after 30 days of when uh, an out-of-network provider and a health plan that are in a disagreement over a reimbursement rate and a payment. So the, the patient's already out of the middle of this process. They're only responsible now for their in-network 
cost-sharing piece. Okay. So now this is a negotiation between the health plan and the provider. Now, this IDR process, Congress's intent was to have this be a fair and equitable resolution, an arbitration process where the physician brings their best case, the health plan brings their best case, and then an independent arbiter who's an accredited IDR entity all throughout the country will choose black and white, which payment is fairer. And that's what we're really focused on in Action for Health, making so sure. You want this this independent arbiter to be someone um, um, independent of both, obviously, the insurance company's interests, the hospital's mm-hmm. interests. Well, three, and you know, obviously, and the patient themselves. I mean, I mean and the physician or provider um, themselves. Correct. They're basically trying to make sure that they're like a mediator that's saying. Um, this is fair for you. This is fair for you. Let's meet here. You know, meet here in the middle, or um, I, I, where and where does that person come from? I guess that's the. <laughs> well, that, that's precisely right, Nikki. And you know, the federal government now is setting up these IDR entities around the country, and and many of them already exist. You know, we have surprise bill protections in, in many states across the country in very different degrees. Um, New York and New Jersey being two of the best models. Okay. As well as Texas. So these IDR entities are already accredited and they do exist. All right. Excellent. So this is, this is a federal bill to basically saying that this, this process needs to occur, but in each state and locality, we can decide it, you know, what's best for um, our citizens locally. Is that what Mm -hmm. the idea is? Okay. And, And there are these, these arbitration entities, Nikki, within each state that would work at the federal level on this No Surprises Act. Okay, and got it. The providers and plans um, go to their their dispute. They're there to to adjudicate it, obviously. Just like we would in you know, a fair legal system in, in the court of law here here in the United States. All right. And so there there are, you know, the key point going back to it being fair and equitable, Nikki, there are a host of different factors that this IDR entity, what the statute, what the legislative text says shall consider. And all of these factors per congressional intent should be considered equally. And that's really the key point. Yeah. Because um, our adversaries who uh, are working and advocating on behalf of the health plans, uh, Professor Cooper, one of them, uh, Mr. Lauren Adler, who's at the uh, USC Schaefer uh, Brookings Center uh, that uh, that we've talked a lot about. Uh, they want to make sure that these factors that the IDR entity uh, must consider equally are pre-weighted hmm. in favor of the insurance plan, hmm. which would be terrible because Congress, after years of deliberation, avoided exactly that type of rate setting. And that's why they put a, a fair and equitable IDR process into their final solution. So we need to make sure that congressional intent is honored um, as HHS um, and CMS and other federal regulators um, implement the law. Okay. And so how do we do that? How do, how, how do we make sure that that, that happens? And what, what can I do? What can the people who are listening or watching um, mm-hmm. do to make sure that all happens? Again, great questions, Nikki. Going back to the 
United Health study for a second, I will plug that as patients, as physicians, as providers, as the broader healthcare community in the country, if you want to speak out against this really flawed study uh, that the New England Journal of Medicine published, uh, that United Health basically worked behind the scenes to influence uh, the entire way, you can actually write them and send comments to comments at nejm.org. Okay. So that's one thing on the study from Professor Cooper that United Health just hijacks to its own benefit for this national debate. To the regulation, on July 1st, Nikki, part one of the regulatory literature came out for this bill. It was 411 pages long, just the first part of the regulations. We had headaches reading all of it. This is a very complex and, and nuanced issue, even for people who work day in and day out like us uh, in the healthcare field, either as uh, providers or nurses or, or technicians or, or anybody else, or even advocates. Professor Cooper's work was cited 10 times in that first regulatory portion of these regulations. That's how influential it was. So this part one, although not the most important, Nikki, it, it dealt with what we call the QPA, the qualifying payment amount. This was basically the, the federal regulators attempt to define what the in-network median rate will be as one of the specified factors that the IDR has to consider. Huh. So right now, if you go on to regulations.gov, you could actually look up this first part on surprise billing part one. Okay. So patients, physicians, uh, anyone concerned about the future of healthcare delivery uh, in our country can write public comments into the docket for this first part of the regulations for the No Surprises Act. And you have a link to that on Action for Health, correct? We do. Okay. And, and we also have uh, a vast resources center that we've been building out this year, Nikki, that I would encourage all of your listeners and viewers to go to that, that spell out a lot of helpful letters, um, both from members of Congress, documents from stakeholders across aisles, across specialties, across patient advocacy stripes and colors. Um, and that's at our website at action, the letter for dot org, uh, action for health. The number four. Yeah. The number four. And I think you have it right down there. Yeah, I have it on the screen. But for people who are going to be listening on the audio only, definitely www.action, the number four, health, that's all one, um, mm -hmm. dot org. And Gosh. all of those resources that are there. It's an actually, it's a great website. It's, oh, it's very you. well done. <laughs> so thank you um, very it's much. really easy to, to, to get to the information and the resources. And it's really easy to find um, and click on. Um, information that kind of to help advocate for yourself and write those comments. So, and if you sign up, also you get a new you get the newsletter and email when it's when it's time. Um, you can get urged uh, to write your comments and all of it. You just you go ahead and you put your name and your your address and then you put your comments in and it's done for you. So, um, exactly. that, it, it's and all we, there. We have until September seventh at five p.m. Eastern time. If okay. you want to be really specific. To, okay. get, to get comments in for this first part of the regulatory implementation process. Okay. And so, and just quickly, 
the, the second phase, part two of regulations that are coming out, this, okay. this is where the federal regulators will be specifying their regulatory language uh, around the most important part, like we talked about, that IDR, the independent dispute okay. resolution process. So going into the fall and into the winter, we will also have ample time to comment to federal regulators on that. Um, but it's also very important to, to make your voice heard now, I would urge, because folks at HHS, CMS, and then also folks at Treasury and Department of Labor, all these regulators who are working on this, it's, it's a vast effort, and we're very appreciative of all their work. Uh, but they're currently working on the IDR process right now. So important to make your voice heard as soon as no. you can. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Physicians and patients out there listening, um, go make those comments. They really do make a difference. And you and you 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 get your comments in, you tell you know five friends, and they tell five friends, and and, mm -hmm. and just keep the comments going up into the deadline. Exactly. All right, cool. Anything else you want to add? Um, what uh, what else is that? What kind of what's next on the menu for Action for Health? I know you're you're laser focused on the surprise, the No Surprises Act mm -hmm. um, right now. Um, but is there anything else that has you know sort of captured your attention um, and uh, is just kind of on the radar uh, for Action for Health to to go and help patients advocate for? Mm -hmm. You know, Nikki, up until New Year's Eve of this year, we are, we are laser focused on this issue of surprise medical bills and making sure that the No Surprises Act treats physicians and insurance companies equally, especially when it comes to the IDR process. That's our keen focus right now. Going forward, as we look at other important issues, we've also done quite a bit of work on consolidation, actually, and anti-competitive behavior in the marketplace. Okay. Back, back in June, we submitted a, a statement for the record that was inserted into the congressional record, uh, thanks to uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler uh, and Ranking Member Jim Jordan on the House Judiciary Committee, talking about these anti-competitive practices, both from health plans and also from these large mega hospitals that seem to be gobbling up uh, smaller facilities around yeah. the country. Yes. Uh, so um, competition and anti-competitive behavior amongst large health uh, hospital systems and also uh, large health plans is something that we are also keenly looking forward to being more engaged on uh, going forward. Oh, that is so awesome. There's a, one, of, one of our um, uh, major areas of focus for free to care is giving people more choices. And exactly. give them, um, you know, have the freedom to make the choices that are best decisions for themselves and their family. And if we are living in a, in, in a world where the market is not competitive at all, and you have all of these forces that are dominating, you've got large insurance companies dominating, large health systems dominating markets, mm -hmm. um, people really don't really have a say in how they get their health care, who they pay for, what medications they can get, what kind of devices they can get, exactly. um, yep. where they can go and get, you know, get their care, all, all, all of the above. So those, those are really important issues. Um, and um, it, it reminds me also to, to, to let everybody know, too, that, you know, Free to Care is a coalition. It's made up of, of, of multiple um, organizations, grassroots organizations, just like Ac Action for Health 
but we all agree to certain basic um, ideas about healthcare. And we know that we, we want to restore the relationship between the physician and the patient so you can make your own decisions about your healthcare <clears throat> with the doctor, <clears throat> excuse me, with the doctor um, and medical team that you choose to have. Um, and so you've got 8 million people in multiple organizations who are in agreement for these things, but we may not be on the same side of the aisle politically. Um, we just all want to get it done for you and, you know, and for each other. We want to do this the right way. And um, so that reminded me to say that. And anything else, Chris, that you want to leave um, the audience with? Um, anything positive? I mean, I, you know, kind of anything, just, just a, a great story that you want to share um, with the audience of anything that Action for Health did or something personal in your life um, that you just kind of want to leave as motivation before you we end this tonight? Although I, I want to take the bait, I don't want to make <laughs> I don't want to make this about me. Um, I, I think uh, for Action for Health, you know, as this this national um, patient not nonprofit, Nikki, we we want to you know make sure that the future delivery of healthcare in the United States stays the best. Yes, we have we have all these forces that seemingly look like they, they want to, you know, cut it to pieces. And you, you made a very good point about how this is not, you know, these are not political issues. Uh, this is about our well-being as patients. Um, at some point, we're all patients. Yeah, yes, um, we you, are. You're, you're, you know, an extremely well-paid executive at a health insurance plan, um, whether you're an actuary at that same health insurance company, whether you're a provider yourself, we're all patients at some point. Um, I think when we talked about the anti-competitive behavior and consolidation, I truly think that the, the best way to solve a lot of these problems is to make sure that we have a healthy and robust independent medical community uh, throughout yeah. the country. Um, you know, AMA, Nikki, has these stats saying that, you know, 50 years ago, 85% of physicians were in independent practice. Yes. I think it's down to about 30% now. Yeah, it is. Um, Probably you know, less than that around as right now. Right now. We're getting mm -hmm. closer to about 20%. Yep. You, you know that. And what does that mean? Back of the envelope calculations, not even to use numbers, that means higher costs, lower quality. Right. So I think having these regulations promulgated fairly for the No Surprises Act is the best way to ensure that we maintain higher quality care, at a lower cost, because if not, many independent physician practices, many smaller facilities and hospitals in inner cities, in rural communities, yep. are going to go out of business. Yeah, we're going to be gobbled up by a large system. And guess what? As patients, we're all going to suffer because of that. Yes. So I think that's my so true. that's my message about the, the, the future delivery of healthcare in our country, Nikki. I think we have to get the No Surprises Act right. And we are hopeful and working tirelessly with federal regulators uh, to make sure we we do just that. All right, that that's a great that's a great note to end on. And I, I do think that it just um, reminder another reminder for the audience is we're, we're about solutions and 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 free to care. Mm -hmm. 
and we we have practical solutions. The No Surprises Act is is one that we think is a great one as well to get behind and support. Um, so these are things that you can do. Um, you can do, and you can help yourself. Tell someone else about it as well. Like, subscribe um, to the show at all. Also, and share. Please, please share. Um, it'll be available on YouTube, on LibreTV.co, on Facebook. Um, as well on all of the audio podcast um, uh, platforms, Spotify. And if you want to give us donations, we can do that to kind of keep bringing you this content. Um, we definitely uh, need to spread the word because these are things that are very actionable. We keep we keep acting we, and believing that healthcare is this insurmountable task that we can't um, we can't get right. And the only way to do it is Medicare for all. It's not the only way to do it. We have lots of solutions that will help, and you can help yourselves and you can help one another. Um, it's a big community. So, thank you again, Chris, for coming on. I mean, really, this was awesome. I mean, I I, I learned some things. Um, I hope people who are listening and watching what learned as well. Um, and I look forward to continuing to work with you, Free to Care. Uh, look forward mm -hmm. to meeting, seeing you in person um, in Austin, um, staying healthy. <laughs> We're not spreading COVID to each other. <laughs> no Delta. No Delta. No Delta. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Likewise, Nikki. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you guys too. Have a good night. Good night.